Welcome to Rocking Your Prize. I'm your host, Dr. Alice Evans. Now, a quarter of young European men say they'll vote for the far right. In Italy, 29%, Finland, 33%, Portugal, 26%, Sweden, 23%, France, 25%, Belgium, 15%, bit lower in Denmark, 11%. And it's not just men. In France, the Netherlands and Belgium, the far right is equally popular with women. What is going on? Now, existing scholarship on Euroscepticism, populist parties, they tend to emphasise regional development traps or economic anxiety or perhaps cultural backlash. Quantitative researchers, economists and political scientists, they typically regress individual or place-based characteristics. In this podcast, I want to throw a spanner in the works by highlighting the salience of distant events that wouldn't be captured in those traditional methodologies. Okay, let's start with regional development traps. Now, my PhD was in geography, so I'm, you know, this is very much my neck of the woods. Um, Andres Rodriguez Posse uh, and co-authors, they emphasize regional development traps. This encompasses regions experiencing low growth in income, productivity and employment compared to their past performance, the national average and the EU. So the worse your region is doing compared to other regions, compared to your past or or, or the EU, the greater the vote for Eurosceptics. So there is a statistically significant correlation. Okay, so that's local economic geography. David Godhart makes a slightly different argument emphasizing relative worth. So people who are stuck behind in lagging regions cannot achieve wealth-based status, like their compatriots in big cosmopolitan cities. But they nevertheless want to assert their equal worth. So they celebrate the culture of their small towns. They assert that they are people from somewhere. You know that song, yeah, try that in a small town. They're trying to assert the importance, the equal importance of their values, of their culture. So they may not be rich, they may not be fancy like those people in the, in the big cities, but their culture is just as important and they don't want anyone to look down on them. Okay, so that's David Grotthard. Okay, but I have a couple of questions. Why do prosperous people vote for the far right? Now, earlier this year, I stayed in small town Alabama. Trump was extremely popular. Our president, they called him. When I asked why, people often emphasize the border. China's importing fentanyl. And that tracks nationally representative data. Devoted conservatives want tough action on illegal immigration and national security. These Republicans were middle class. I knew that from quantitative data on local earnings, our conversations, family barbecues, as well as my own cycling adventures. Peddling up hills, I pass smart cars and big houses. The town's population has actually increased, as so many families think it's great. They are not left behind. Now, you may say, Alabama is racist, of course they vote Republican. But what about countries without such traditions of far-right voting? Let's talk about Poland. 46% of Poland's young men intend to vote for the Confederation, which is far-right. The Confederation opposes the European Union, immigration, abortion and feminism. 
it criticizes uh, the right-wing PIS party as being too lenient on immigration. Even though that party is pretty right-wing and pretty, you know, xenophobic. So why is it so popular with Poland's young men? And it's specifically young. The young people, are, people below 29 are much more likely to vote for Confederation. Mensen's a big star on the right. He has a huge TikTok presence, 18 million followers. Four years ago, he expressed the desire to create, and I quote, a Poland without Jews, homosexuals, abortion, taxes, and the European Union. Poland's right-wing voting is not plausibly due to a regional development trap. There's been rapid economic growth. Real wages have soared. Everyone is better off. Poorer eastern regions are no more likely to vote for Confederation. So how can we work out what's going on? Well, okay, what about regressing individual and local area characteristics? So that's what political scientists and economists have traditionally done. They've analysed voting by examining individual and or local area characteristics. You know, this is looking at an individual's education, employment and wealth, or wider unemployment in their community. So even if your job is secure, you may still feel that the country is badly governed if your neighbours complain of hardship and shops become derelict. That's what Rodriguez, Posse and others mean by the regional development traps. But both these methodologies presume that voting is motivated by what we see and hear in our immediate physical vicinities, our homes and our neighbourhoods. And this totally omits the ginormous influence of television and social media. In an era of massive connectivity, we see terrible events occurring all over the world. Charismatic politicians, journalists and influencers may persuade their publics that they too face imminent threats. At Baptist Bible study in small town Alabama, my companions were extremely animated about transgender policies. One mother actually removed her kids from Alabama's public school as she feared they were too liberal in Alabama. And when asked about these threats, they overwhelmingly referred to things they'd heard via the media. So it wasn't anywhere, anything someone had said in their small town or something they'd encountered in their small town. But it was still extremely salient. So people's evaluations of their country can be totally disconnected from their own personal experience. Americans repeatedly expressed despair about the national economy, but satisfaction about their own finances. So it's not all local. Wider discourses and distant events shape our perceptions. Uh, there's a paper by Francesco uh, Giovazzi and colleagues in the American Journal of Political Science this year. Immediately after a terrorist attack anywhere in Europe, German Twitter users increasingly discuss immigrants and Muslims. That shift in language is correlated with more votes for the far right, the AFD. In The Light That Failed, a new book by Krastev uh, and Holmes, they likewise underscore the importance of media persuasion. So I want to quote from their book. It's very nice. I think I've mentioned it before. Let me quote. While there has been no invasion of African and Middle Eastern immigrants into the region, Central and Eastern Europeans are constantly exposed through sensationalized television reporting to the immigration problems plaguing Western Europe. 
unable to defend their borders against foreign and especially Muslim invaders, in inverted commas, the open societies of Western Europe now provide a, basically a negative model, a living picture of the social order that Central and East Europeans are most eager to avoid. For the liberal Democrats, for the illiberal Democrats, sorry, the gravest threat to the civilization of the white Christian majority in Europe is the incapacity of Western societies to defend themselves. Liberalism's bias against communitarianism allegedly blinds its adherents to the threats they face, end quote. So, and if people, this is an, ad an additional dimension, if people think their culture is superior, they may be especially threatened by perceptions of rising immigration. So Greeks are especially protective of their culture. Spaniards are much more open. So if we look at uh, Pew survey data, 89% of Greeks uh, mostly agree with the statement that our culture is superior to others. In Belarus, it's 42%, Finland, 49%, Poland, 55%, Russia, 69%, Italy, 47%, Germany, 45%, but Spain, only 20%. People, you know, don't necessarily think they're the best. Their culture is the best, rather. Okay. Hungary's, um, Hungary and Poland's leaders often present themselves as heroic resistance against a looming Islamic takeover of Europe. Let me quote Orban. We were the ones who stopped the migrant invasion launched against Europe at the southern borders of Hungary. So let me summarise. Voter preferences are typically analysed by regressing individual or place-based characteristics. This is predicated on the presumption that people ascertain what's going on by looking out of the window. Screen time throws a spanner in the works. It messes up traditional methodologies. If people spend more time on their phones than at the neighbourhood pub, this skews their perceptions. We become less parochial more regionally interconnected. Charismatic speakers may leverage video footage of events far away to instill fear of imminent threats. Now, I don't know why so many young people are voting for the far right. I just raise this as a, a methodological quandary about suitable methodologies. So apologies if you find that deeply unsatisfying. But I wish you a wonderful weekend. So take care and look after yourselves. Thank you. Bye.